You know what I like best about you, Charlie? Is I could tell you anything in the world, and you don't judge me. Charlie, have you ever stood at the edge of a cliff or a subway platform with someone, and and you thought just for, for a split second, what if I pushed him? No, not really. Usually I follow the Judeo-Christian ethic of thou shalt not kill, yeah, but that's yeah, just no, I, me. I, I, Welcome, my name is Matt, and I'm here with Andrew. Today we're going to be talking about So I Married an Axe Murderer, as well as There She Goes, 90s movie editing, and what made this movie the calm before the Austin Power storm. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces, and let's break it down on the post credit Podcast. It's just the whole thing with the podcast. We just enjoy just talking about it. You know what I mean? We're not always correct, and it, again, it's just it's an opinionated thing. It's it's not not necessarily like factual ways of talking, but it's it's our opinion. Yeah, yeah, and you know we're not like we've said millions of times on the show. We're not a review show. This is just me and you talking about things that we like, and hopefully it's a good conversation. We yeah. think it is. Uh, we've we've had some comments from uh, from the girls over at uh, the ladies over at uh, Horror and Heels. They uh, left some good comments on our Apple reviews. Uh, we also got a message from a listener, um, <clears throat> and uh, there uh, his name is Isaiah Espinoza, and uh, he he had messaged us about our Scream episode, and uh, when we were talking about the garage door. I uh, remember t- how easy uh, it was to that it killed Tatum yeah. in the garage door. Yeah. And we're like, what is... And then in part four, where they have it like making that sound where it looked like it was overly dramatic was, what the yeah. garage door was doing. Well, he had said garage, uh, garage sensors weren't required until 94. Child deaths were the reason. And uh, he had assumed that it was an older garage. This movie came out in 96. So I'm assuming, since this is a very nice house... It's either new it's or it's well new. kept, right, right. And so I'm assuming they get all the new models of everything. So I imagine he'd have a new the the, the 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 Stu's parents would have a new you know garage door opener. But either way, I don't know if that motor could pull a whole body up and break its neck. No, because it's extremely thin metal. It's it's <laughs> not that strong. You know, it's it's not really meant to do anything but just kind of keep the weather out in a sense you know what i mean because you can always get into garages i'm sure you know not that i would know but you know it it just doesn't seem like that is something that could actually happen like killing them in that way shape or form you know and and i mean because you think about it you put a garage you put a doggy door in a garage door right yeah and what are the chances? I don't you get see a that very dog. often. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. But you get a fat dog and he gets stuck in there, and they do open the garage. You know, I mean, I don't a dog think it even might kill it. I don't know. Well, it might get it up there though. Those things are so weak. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing he was saying was, um, you know, he, he was saying in our horror, uh when we had the horror and heels ladies on yeah. uh, for our thirteen ghost uh, episode, he was talking about how, um, you know there was a looseness to the episode it seemed like uh we were flowing a lot better and he had wondered if we were all drinking 
Uh, I could say uh, me and you no. That's a big no, no on that one. That's I, a no on us. I, I'm not sure about the ladies. Yeah, but, I believe well. the, the 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 ladies. I believe that they were, and they usually do. Uh, you know, have a little little drink here and there. You know, just to just to loosen them up. You know, they they've said yeah. that on their show as well before. But um, I don't drink um, personally. I have. I, I can't remember the last time I had some alcohol. It was probably in the military or something. Maybe I've had a beer with an enchilada here and there. I don't mind it. I just don't prefer to. Uh, drink alcohol not a huge fan of the taste and um and I, I really don't like how it makes me feel i don't like being drunk or anything like that i don't even like being tipsy uh i feel like somebody else is driving my vehicle if you know what i mean yeah. um i know you do um but it's not like no I, I, it's not like a big thing or yeah, anything yeah. like that um just an every once in a while or to you know if you've had a long week or whatever but we're yeah. just not huge drinkers no. our family was a family of of i wouldn't say drinkers but i mean you know fun drinkers you know and you know everybody get together have some beers social, and all that kind of stuff but drinking. i think you and i you know we've we've kind of steered away from that but yeah so i don't drink alcohol uh andrew drinks but not not often um, but I think it was just a matter of uh, those ladies are um, are uh, very good hosts and uh, even better guests. Um, they did a really good job of, of um, jumping in and keeping the conversation going with us. And yeah. we just really want to say thank you to them again, to Alicia and Jen, for coming on and, uh, and having such a great episode with us. Um, but today we're going to be talking about a movie from 1993. Um it's one of these movies that um, I think I watched it after he became famous for his other roles, Mike Myers. Uh, but this movie is called So I Married an Axe Murder. It's a, 19, a movie that came out in 1993, and it's actually a romantic comedy. It's a rom-com. Um, you know, despite its title, it's, it's kind of a sweet rom-com with a little dark twist to it. Uh, which we'll get into in a second, but um, did you did you watch this before his like his Austin Powers, his Wayne's World? No, well, it, because it, it, all it did come out after Wayne's World. Uh, came out after know, the first one, yeah, but before and, the second. And one. he's he was kind of basically riding the the curt, you know the coattails of Wayne's, Wayne's World, World and, and Saturday Night Live. And so now, like you know, you got an actor who got into this movie who other actors who have been doing it way longer than he has wanted a part of this movie just because he's in it. You know what I mean? Just because they, they realize how talented, you know, Mike Myers is and everything. And, you know, which is very weird to say because, you know, I, I did watch it when it first came out. I was maybe 13, 14, something like that, I think, when it first came out. But, um, no, I was more like 12, I think. But anyways, uh, when I watched this, it, again, it was, it was kind of uh, – one of the first introductions, really, for me as being like a, a rom-com, you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. I, I didn't grow up enjoying rom-coms like that until I was, you know, a little bit older and 17, 18, stuff like that. You, you remember know? what your first rom-com was that you watched, or at least the first that you can remember oh, watching? Man. Had to have been an 80s movie. Yeah, I mean... Or it, very early 90s. The only, the only problem is that the 80s movies, you know, like a lot of these rom-coms were very 
raunchy. You know what I mean? There well, were a lot of, a lot of were swear like, words and a lot of uh, vulgarity to them um, in the 80s. Like you know, when where, Harry met Sally, yes, the, the fake yes. orgasm yeah. scene or whatever. Where, where in the 90s, the rom-coms were toned down extremely. Like, they were made for high school students. They were made for high school kids to watch these movies. They weren't... Where in the 80s, it kind of was like that. But, I mean, again, the, there was a lot more vulgarity back then. Yeah, you look at the ratings agency. I mean, I've tried to show you know my son a couple movies you know like you know one of my wife's favorite movies is 16 candles yeah and you know we tried to show him that but we forgot it's rated pg i believe yeah um but you know it's got topless scenes in it you know and it's it's this is this this is how the ratings were i mean like caddyshack was the same way Mm -hmm. you know and it wasn't until i believe it was indiana jones that inspired the pg-13 rating and i think it was temple of doom that actually did that because it was a a, quite a violent freaked me out when that first came out just the the whole is a very dark movie you know pulling the heart out of the chest you know on those movies it did kind of freak me out when i watched i mean i love those movies when i was a kid you know but but that that scene where you just pull their hearts out of their chest was just it was extremely um, hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, and I think because Spielberg, you know, he wanted to make a, a little bit of a More darker realistic, movie, yeah, and, and so did sense. you know George Lucas and everything. But of course, George Lucas, you know, he always wants to keep it as as family friendly as we could. I think they just wanted to try something a little bit darker. But Temple of Doom, I, I believe that was the reason that we got PG thirteen ratings. Um, um, after that movie and then you know you started getting the mpaa you yeah. know uh, well, it, did, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that the you know parental guidance mm-hmm. advised parental guidance advised 13 and older you know why don't they just say parental guidance advised all the way across the board it's just kind of making it so that lazy parents can be just be like oh well, basically okay, yeah anything anything before or after 13 you can or cannot watch you know it's yeah like, but i mean i think you had like the mpa was probably going it's kind of going through like an overhaul and everything so you needed yeah. something between a pg goonies type of movie even which even though goonies was still a little vulgar and probably should have been yeah. pg 13 by today's standards dead but people in the freezer not only yeah that and then the kids cussing and all this yeah. kind of stuff um just more something you see in a PG thirteen. So they needed a uh, middle of the road between PG and like a hard R, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when you got but, like but Friday it, the thirteenth and stuff like right. that. That's R. And then you got this other stuff that's PG. You needed something that's middle of the road. I think I think what it was is especially when it first came out, you know, I mean these parents you know, a lot of parents, I guarantee you every parent on that planet probably was like, Okay, rated R you cannot watch. PG thirteen, at this age you can watch. Under PG thirteen, you can watch. You know, this kind of thing. I, I think it's kind of a way just so parents can be like Okay, these movies you cannot watch. This movie you can watch. You know, not realizing that a PG rating still comes with, you know, back in the 80s, it still came with those type of movies where it was, it showed nudity and things like that. You know, so so I I guess it was kind of like, you know, if parents weren't really paying attention, they wouldn't see it. So, yeah, and we were so poor, it was basically we could watch whatever we could get our hands on, you know. Yeah, well, it's always about that VHS, you know, <laughs> what we could see through oh, blurry, we... staticky lines, yeah. of those channels that you couldn't quite right. watch, okay. or see, you're on whatever level it may be. No, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, whatever, saying. or or you you borrow a DVD from a kid that's got you know less uh, obtrusive, obtrusive parents or whatever. But yeah, so I mean, so I married an axe murder. It came out after Wayne's World, and Wayne's World was Mike Myers' first movie. Um, he was coming off for Saturday Night Live, and he was starting to find himself and be a huge success for Wayne's World. So he got a lot of latitude in this movie because uh, this this movie was written by um, a guy named Robbie Fox, and it was supposed to be a little 
a little darker, a little less family friendly, you know. Um, it, it was supposed to be, and um, as we say with this movie, you know, or with this show, you know, we, we don't do spoiler warnings or we try yeah. not to or whatever. But hopefully you've seen this because we're diving into it. Um, but um, he doesn't actually marry a, an axe murderer in this movie. No. Um, and But in the original um, uh, version of the, 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 the script and the story that was written, he did marry she was the actual murderer um and yeah. uh, but i think that's you know i think about that that's that's way less interesting it is it, i mean you have it in the title and you're just yeah. like well but I, and I think the title was something a little different too but the title was originally from what i hear it was something going to be like like when harry met sally but it, like if you look at the different uh translations of it and it's like when so-and-so killed so-and-so with an axe you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, that just basically tells you exactly what they're trying to portray. But in reality, I mean, we knew that she literally could not be the axe murderer. Yeah. I mean, because it's just kind of like it'd be ruining the movie in a way. Yeah, know? this version was was much smarter. And obviously, like I said, coming off of Wayne's World, Mike Myers was um, given a lot of latitude to adjust the script to better fit him. Because yeah. as we know after this mainly all the movies that he was in after this became, you know, quote unquote, Mike Myers vehicles, whether it's Austin Powers, the second, um, Wayne's world movies. Um, what was that other one that was very, very terrible? Um, Oh, where he, uh, no, I was thinking about Adam Sandler, the Zohan one. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he really fell off after a while. Didn't he? Mike Myers, like after, after the 90s, he really didn't do nothing afterwards. He did a few things. I mean, he did some voicing. Like, he had huge success with Shrek, you know. he, you know, Well, yeah, okay, Shrek and everything. okay, I'll give you that. Um, and then The Love Guru was the one that I was talking That's about that completely right. bombed. Um, but, you know, he also had cameos in, like, Inglorious Bastards. Remember, he was that guy in the war room with the maps yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. He was a, he's always playing Brits and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and He's know, Canadian, right? Uh, I sure can't is. remember if he is or not. Uh, yeah, I believe he was born in Ontario. Uh, but there's a new uh, Austin Powers movie apparently coming out too, <sighs> part four. So I mean, I huff and puff about that, but I enjoy every single one of them. They're stupid. They're real dumb. The first they, two were awesome. Yeah, I but, didn't like Goldmember. I didn't like the third one. It was just yeah. it was too over because I mean you have your campiness, and at that time it was perfect time for it. Yeah. They, I don't know if they'll work in today's age unless they really readjust it. Yeah. Um, and because I mean they unfroze him. I mean he's also gonna he's always he's gonna look a lot older. But I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> this was written though, as I said, uh, by you know Robbie Fox, uh, who had written the 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 person that he had married um, to be. Um, the actual axe murder. And once he got in there, he was able to, Mike Myers, he was able to tweak, get a little bit of his humor in there. He was able to create a second role for himself as playing his own father. Yeah, because um, they didn't even cast, they didn't do any casting for the father. No, because they, the father's actually based on Mike Myers' right. father. Yeah, and, and, and how he acted and talked and everything. Right, and they didn't do any casting. And so when they were reading for lines before they casted that actual character, you know, he was going through and he was actually saying, you know, the lines for the father and then and he did it with the accent and everything else like that. And they, they looked at him and they were just like, OK, let's just go with that. Yeah, did different things like that. And then there's moments in the film where they feel more like Mike Myers comedic moments than yeah. Robbie Fox, the writer's comedic yeah. moments, because you have it's a basic standard, you know, Rob Com 
type of movie yeah. with your, your your different comedy beats and everything like that. But then you have the outlandish improv stuff that you can tell that like yeah. whenever they're playing around with the meat. Well, or, he's not, he's I'm sure he I mean I I know he's known for his improv. Yeah, you know, Mike Myers. Yeah, and then that. like you when you got the montage of them falling in love and stuff. Yeah. So there's there's two parts that I noticed or two two moments that I that I noticed in the movie. One was during that love montage when they're falling in love. He he's messing around with the girl who plays the um is the love interest. Yeah, so his love interest is Harriet and and Harriet's sister Rose. He was messing with her and and you could tell he made that actress like laugh in real life. You know, like during and, and, a take, but they left it in. And then his best friend, who's hanging out with his dad on the couch, and you have Mike Myers doing the the Irish accent, uh, uh, Irish Scottish. Scottish accent, and uh, and the guy is just—you can tell—he cannot stop laughing. Yeah. Like it's a real laugh. And you know, he's probably supposed to be kind of snickering at at his friend's old dad here, just talking like he is. But you could tell, like the guy is just losing his mind laughing and, because and, Mike Myers is so hilarious, right? And and also with that with that actor, the um, Anthony Lapeglia, Anthony Lapeglia, can't even say it. Yeah, Anthony Lapeglia. Yeah, uh, played Tony in the movie, the the best friend of the main character. Yes, yes, yes. And, Which and, I thought was his brother at first, but. Well, remember, like, like it's funny because he played a lot of um, roles, you know, where he, he looked very young and he was kind of a goofball and stuff like that. And then he goes into Without a Trace, the main actor or the main character in Without oh, a Trace. Oh, that's right. And he, he was in Without a Trace. And, and he's so, like, straightforward, you know, actor in that film or yeah. in that show, in that TV show. You know, I mean, he's very, very, you know, you know, straight laced. He's also joking. the slacker guy in Empire, Empire Records. Empire Records, yeah. yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, he did those kind of roles, but then you get to see him without a trace, and that's where probably a lot of people actually recognize him as an actor. Yeah. You know, but I mean, he's just so kind of straightforward, not really joking along. But then you get Amanda Plummer who played that Rose, and I think everything she has done, she has been, she's played that creepy, creepy role. You know what I mean? Like the creepy. Well, she was one of the robbers in Pulp Fiction with uh, yep. Mr. Orange, yep. uh, Tim Roth or whatever. And, man, she had that, that, that first opening line when they're like, all right, honey bun, let's go. And then she stands up and she just yells at yeah. everybody. It was crazy. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like she's got that face, you know, that crazy face. She got a crazy face. She got a crazy and, and, face. And the I think it's the eyes. Yeah. and Well, and see, my wife was watching the movie with me, and, and they were at the wedding, and she was standing next to um, – uh, the main character, you know, Rose was standing next to, to her sister, or whatever. And um, my wife's Harriet, like, Harriet. <laughs> my uh, wife was like, you know, who's that character? It's there? her sister. It, it's, she did it's it. Her sister. And she's like, yeah, she's the murderer. I said, <laughs> well, good guess because that's the truth, you know. Yeah. But no, um, you know, her sister just, I mean, looked like the killer. I mean that, but that. That's what was so good that they didn't even realize, you know, they didn't even spit out the information that, okay, yes, she has been married three times, you know, because, and you don't find that out for sure, for sure, until she pulls out three rings out of the talcum box, you know, jar or whatever it is. You know, she pulls out the three rings and you figure, okay, so all her husbands has been killed, you know what I mean? Or killed themselves, apparently. You know, so right then and there, you're like, oh, okay, okay. Somebody surrounding, somebody around her is doing this. Well, when I first watched, when I, when I started watching this to to prepare for the show, 
um, it had been so long since I saw it that I actually couldn't even remember how it was that um, that they were doing this and the uh, and Harriet, uh, you know, wasn't aware of what was going on because I thought I remembered that um, that Harriet knew her sister was doing it, but she was covering up so her sister didn't go to jail or something like that. But I couldn't remember. And then, you know, watching it, I was like, oh, okay. So what had happened was uh, every time she marries a guy, they go on her honeymoon. The sister would sneak in whenever they were separate, kill the the person that she had just married, and then wrote a note that, you know, saying, uh, I, I, it's too much for me, I can't be with you. So yeah. Harriet was under the assumption that every time she gets married, it drives somebody away and they'll run off, which explains her creepy behavior. Right, right, right. And, and, and then that's why that she's was one of the, weird. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the notes I wrote. I was like, if she's not, why is she? I, like, I get that they're doing it for the movie to keep you guessing and stuff, but it didn't seem natural because... You know, she was just saying these creepy things. And you're like, okay, if she's not the murderer, why was she saying these creepy things? But I guess they could be interpreted as, um, you know, a paranoia that well, that he was going to leave her or something. And, and also with the movie, you know, when, when they sit there and basically try to force feed you the fact that this person could be the the killer or could be the bad guy. Well, and it's we in the title sure. too. Right, right. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, like they're pushing. I mean, the fact that made him, you know, her a butcher. You know what I mean? Her, right. Own her butcher. No, shop. no, a butcher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but own her own butcher. Yeah, a butcher. Yeah, almost <laughs> saying it sounds like you're saying butcher. Yeah, a butcher. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? Like like trying to make you think, okay, it's her, it's her, is it? But then you know, if you watch enough movies, you know, you know, you're like, okay, she's not the murderer. Obviously, it's somebody around her. You know, because and that's when you know, as soon as I saw her sister, I was like, okay, they could have tried to find somebody a lot more normal looking. I think. To play this character. I think even when I was younger, I was like, there's something yeah. weird about this chick. Yeah, so I mean, like, they could have made it, I don't know. I, I just, like, even my wife said, she's like, well, watch his, watch his, his mom or something, somebody yeah. like that. I'm like, well, no, that just doesn't make any sense either, you know? Yeah. Well, the the movie opens, it didn't disappoint me when I, when I went to watch it again because it is so 90s and how it mm-hmm. starts. And I'll just say it starts off with this great song. Uh, called There She Goes, originally written by um, The Laws, yeah. okay? Well, um, L.A.'s, yeah. So, I, I, What is it? Is it L.A.? I mean, I guess if, if you don't have the, um, you know, like the periods in there or whatever, I guess it's, it is The Laws. It's not the L.A. Yeah, it didn't right? look, and, and the L was capital, but the A wasn't. Yeah. So I think it's The Laws. Forgive us for our lack of music knowledge in, in this particular instance. Um, I... I, I don't remember ever hearing about these guys. We're more familiar with Sixpence None than Richer yeah. and their cover. But this original one, I believe it's the laws. But if we're incorrect, let us know. Send us an email. Uh, tweet us out. Really call us out in the middle of everything um, so we know that uh, we got that wrong. But for, for right now, I'm calling it the laws. And it was actually covered. There, there's another cover of it that's actually in the movie. I can't remember what the band that was. Um, but there she goes. And you all know how it goes. So yeah, it goes. There she goes. I was gonna just goes. put the I was just gonna put the clip in there for that, but that hey, either one, too. either one. I yeah. like mine better, anyways. Well, that was offside, wasn't it? <laughs> He'll be crying himself to sleep tonight on his huge pillow. 
But, I mean, it, besides this movie, it's also been in The Parent Trap, Fever Pitch, Girl Interrupted, Gilmore, uh, The Gilmore Girls Pilot, uh, Cold Case, and this movie. So, I mean, and I, I'm pretty sure it's been in other movies. Those are just the ones that I could find in a brief search. Um, but, man, I remember it being in some of these other team movies, late, yeah. late 90s team movies. I mean, I mean, and, and you know, there's there's a lot of these artists, you know, like Third Eye Blind, stuff like that. You know, it's like they make movies for, or music for movies like this. You know what I mean? Third Eye Blind, I think, is one of those bands, you know. But but this I'll song, it, it just, go. it kind of suits the, the kind of the film, like, because it's played so many times. But then you get it like it's there she goes again, you know. There she goes again. I mean, well, is she cr- killing somebody here? Is, is that what? <laughs> well, I mean, that was probably a, 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 a reason, you know, that they put it in there because it's about you know this movie is about him falling in love with a girl and there she goes, whatever. But you know, I think they put it in there because Mike Myers, like, he was a huge fan of the show. Yeah. And story goes, have you ever seen him on David Letterman? Uh, Mike Myers. Uh-huh. Uh, I think so. So when he used to go on David Letterman every time, Paul Schaefer, the musician for David Letterman, yeah. he'd always uh, he heard or he saw Mike Mike Myers listening to that song uh, one time because he really liked it, was really into it, and so every time he would appear on David Letterman, they'd play there. Uh, Paul Schaefer play there she goes. So oh really? I thought, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And then obviously Fever Pitch, um, isn't that the one with Jimmy Fallon? Well, yes, 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 yes. Where Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was on there too. But, I mean, I'm sure it's been on other movies. But, you know, it starts off with the fancy writing for the credits, you know. And then it's playing There She Goes. And then... You, you know, it's it's like this this moving camera that goes into the city, into San Francisco, and then you go into this beat bar where then you're falling around this cup of coffee and everything like that. I mean, it's so 90s, the, the way really they is. did everything, and they brought it to him. And then, of course, he, you know, he makes one of his little Mike Myers joke. But then we see him. We get to meet our, our, our uh, protagonist in the movie, Charlie. Um, he has that Katie Lang haircut, you know, that they had in the '90s, where it's split right down the middle, and you have little curtains over your forehead and stuff. I mean, very, very. Uh, did I say '80s? I meant '90s. '90s, yeah. But um, oh, uh, I, I had this. I had that for a while. I, I think my wife says I have it right now too, but um, I don't believe anything she says. So yeah. yeah. And then you, <laughs> you get those, but then you get those quick quips by Mike Myers and yeah. stuff before he starts calling his friend, you know, Huggy Bear and everything. But yeah. did you notice something about this bar? Why everybody was talking and everything? Um, it's a, it was a comedy bar. But but think of what they don't have that we have nowadays. Oh, masks. Oh, cell phones and such. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people were actually communicating, and they don't have masks for that matter. So, I mean, this is 1993. I mean, we we barely even have you know like the car cell phones that you know, <laughs> came in a, a zippered bag or whatever. Yeah. Um, we don't even have that stuff because you know everybody's in this bar together, this poet bar, and they're all just talking, and it's so loud in there and everything. But you know, nowadays, you know, you got even in movies, you got people on their phones all the time. You don't yeah. see stuff like that, so it's kind of cool to watch these movies and if you're thinking about stuff like that it really it really throws you for a loop because i mean that's so part of our culture nowadays wherever you go or even in movies you see people on their phones all the time it's sad you know because even even any of us you know nowadays it's like can you really think back how it used to be i mean it's almost like it's you know 
the the cell phone ra- waves are are deleting your memory of the thought without them. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like it's like I mean we survived thousands of years without these things. So why are we so dependent on them now? You know yeah. what I mean? I mean it's literally like again you can find out any answer to any question within minutes just in the palm of your hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of scary. But I mean again it takes away communication. It takes uh, away. You know, personality. I mean, it, it just, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I notice it a lot when my son's around and he's doing stuff or asking about stuff. Um, sometimes I get to the point where I want to chuck my phone across the room because I'm like, you know, you know, he's asking me something and I'm looking at something on my phone or whatever. And so well, I, I heard like, you do that when you play video games too. What? Chuck your phone across the room. I don't even want to talk about <laughs> that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I have to, I have to. I catch myself, and I feel like I'm a lot better than most because I'll catch myself really quick, and I'll I'll take my phone and just leave it in my room for a little bit so I can just concentrate. So yeah, I mean distractions with 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 that back there, and with this movie, it reminded me what happened to transitions, cool transitions between scenes and movies. Like now you got the cuts and everything, you got the unique ones every once well, in a while. Well, you know what ruined that, right? These Stop. the Blair Witch Project type movies, you know that Blair Witch Project where you've got a camera inside of camera. You know what I mean? So you're you're not only you're not only like paranormal activities, things like that. You know that the, there's no need for transition anymore. You know what I mean? Because you want to make it visible from your switching from screen from camera to camera nowadays. Because yeah, it almost gives you more of a real feeling rather than a transition where you know you're watching a movie. Maybe. Yeah, but even in normal movies nowadays, it's like you know I think it's it's looked at as cheesy because it's like the old style of filmmaking because it was looked as creative back then. But nowadays, it's more looked at as, you know, fantasy way of making filmmaking. Let's cut it real quick and have it jump to the next scene. Yeah. And it made me think of Star Wars. You know, Star Wars, almost every tra- uh, transition from one scene to another has like a wipe from right to left or left to right or up and down. That's like Star Trek, too. Into a new yeah. into a new scene. And this one did it with uh, when he was driving through San Francisco and he had the cable car. Come, so it was like one scene at night, and then the cable car kind of moved across that scene and created a new scene. And then they even had a wipe later on, and I was like, man, you know, I miss I miss those transitions every once in a while. Yeah. Well, and it just kind of sets it up, you know. I kind of feel like I like it the way it is now just because it, it does make it feel a lot more real. When you had the transitions, you knew you are okay, here's a whole other set of scenes. This is going to be a whole other subject maybe. You know, this is going to be a whole – this is not what we were talking about for the last five minutes. We're, we're now going on here where now where it's not so much transitions where it's more like, you know, you know, you, the camera, you know, you're turning and you're seeing a different scene, you know, and then you zoom into it, you know, that kind of right. thing. I mean, and, and if you notice video games do that a lot, you know, where, where they, where they just kind of scan the room, then they focus in something and then it just go darts into, into that scene. It darts into that person you know, what they're talking about and communicating about. Where back in the eight nineties and stuff like that, you know, where it was like transitioning, then you start, you hear the music, then you're going to transition to the next scene. Cause you know, you hear the music coming in and you're going to move on. You know what I mean? Or, you know, Oh, gasp, gasp. There's the cliffhanger, you know, gasp. uh, uh, speech gasp, you know, you know, you're going to move on to the next scene immediately afterwards, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And where, where it's like, I, I kind of like now, it just seems a lot more natural than it did back in the 90s, you know. I mean, granted, yeah, it kind of gets you pumped when you're watching the movie, you know. But you can kind of almost play out the movie 
oh, we got it. we're fixing to have another new scene. We're fixing to have uh, more music coming in. You know that kind of stuff. You can almost call it back then. You know? Yeah, because and a lot of it is because you know music would start up right before the the scene would change. It'd be like, uh oh, and then it'd be like, you know, paused on a uh, on a character's yeah. shocked face. Yeah, and it'd be like, she yeah, you know, and then it's like you know you're transitioning. Yeah, and then you have to wait ten more minutes to get back to that character to see what what happened you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's like you'll watch uh, videos on uh, like tiktok or facebook or whatever uh all that garbage uh social media you know you you watch a oh watch for part two you know if you give me a week you can see part two of this i'm like no finish the darn story so that i know what happens i don't want to watch part two i want to watch a part one and that's it yeah you know where it's kind of like the same thing with the movies back then where it's like you know like i said gasp and then you're like wait what, go back, go back. Well, we've talked about splitting some of our episodes into two parters and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like, I hate doing that because yeah. I don't want, I don't want to like wait and then have to pick up again somewhere else and stuff. I just want to have a complete story. It, it to me, it just seems like a way to get more clicks and and views and and whatnot, you know. And it to to yeah, okay. If you're really interested in that, you're gonna watch part two. But at the same time, it's like some people get frustrated and they're like, no, I'm not gonna make this effort again. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not gonna. Uh, wait for the person to come out. Okay, has it come out yet? Okay, I'm gonna watch it. You know that kind of. No, no, just get it over and done with. Yeah. How do you think this was directed? I thought it was uh, beautifully directed. I mean, it just you know, Mike Myers not necessarily was the director, but I mean, he ran the show pretty much. And, kind of. Him. They were real back and forth about the visions yeah. that they wanted to. They eventually got along, but I mean, they were real. Yeah, Mike Myers kind of wanted to do it this way or that way, which yeah. I think bettered the film. Now it didn't. It didn't make back its money. No, of its budget and everything, so it didn't do very well. But it's got this pulp, you know, this 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 uh, this cult following now since yeah. it's come out. But well, that's why it's got to be. I mean, Mike Myers has got to be one of those characters that are very hard to direct. You know, that that are very ad lib type actors. Probably like Rob Williams is another one. Jim that Carrey. Was Jim Carrey. Uh, probably Adam Sandler even. I mean, you know, a lot but of But those these, people, they seem like they, they will go off on a tangent, and it's kind of a fun thing that makes everybody laugh, whereas... Yeah. What it sounds like that happened with this movie, it was more not so much. I mean, he he would ad lib and stuff, but it was more about like the creative control of where the characters yeah. go, where the story goes, and that's what he kind of had a problem with with the director Thomas uh, Schlam or Schlam, yeah. however you say his name. And he didn't really do much movies after that. I don't think he did any movies after this. He was, uh, a, but he's had a lot of success in TV, um, you know, directing TV yeah. episodes and everything like that, but. The, uh, I mean, I mean, well, let me ask you this on that. I, just now thinking about this, I mean, did it feel to me? Now that I think about it, it did kind of feel like a sitcom, almost like a TV show. Um, you know, where you get a couple scenes where you're just surrounded around the family. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then you move on yeah, to yeah, going to work or going to you know poetry thing. Yeah, you, you had your home girl. time and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, and, and then you had wacky characters like yes, his dad. And, yes. It almost felt like a, a aloof like a, mom. Yeah, yeah, like a sitcom. Like yeah. you'd watch, you know, every Thursday night yeah, at, see that. At, at six o'clock, you'd watch which this is sitcom, which is probably why he had such such success yeah. going into in, into to TVs. Because I think he had said that, you know, he was kind of uh, persona non grata after this movie, and he kind of um, that's sad. That's sad. It is. I mean, like it was an all right directed movie, but like you know, like you made the point. It's 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 a fun movie and everything, but and, and maybe just for this story, it worked. But for anything. Yeah else 
yeah. maybe you know you have some people that are just better TV directors and and there and movie people a lot of movie people can't direct TV episodes unless yeah. they're making like little mini movies like The Mandalorian or whatever. Yeah. Well, like Kevin Smith's been getting in a lot of. Uh, TV uh, direction lately like he's done Supergirl and I think Flash and I know he did uh, some Big Bang Theory uh, episodes and stuff like that you know what I mean and but he's really been kind of getting into that whole TV and I think the reason you know I, I think the reason Kevin Smith has been so successful in it is because he probably understands the sitcom you know way of directing you know where a lot of directors like you said you know can't go, can't switch back and forth you know they they can only do TV or they can only do movies, right? Well, it's a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world known as the Pentaverite, mm. who run everything in the world, including the newspapers, and meet tri-annually at a secret country mansion in Colorado known as the Meadows. So who's in this Pentaverite? The Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders before he went tetsa. Oh, I hated the Colonel with his wee beady eyes and that smug look on his face. Oh, you're gonna buy my chicken. Oh, Dad, how can you hate the Colonel? Because he puts an addictive chemical in his chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly, smart ass. Um. So the uh, the uh, producer is uh, Rob Fried. That's that's how his name was spelled, fried like fried chicken. So I don't know if it's Fried or Freed or Fried or whatever. Sounds but. French to me. So the thing is, when uh, did you like Nancy Travis as Harriet? I did. I did. I, I really thought she, did. I thought she did an awesome role in it because she, you know, she just seemed so natural. You know what I mean? It was and and at the this time, you know, she's a very she's still a, she's a young actress. You know, nowadays she's she's you know very uh, last man standing. You know that that's the most recent thing. Right, I'm saying like she is absolutely gorgeous in this movie, yeah. and still she plays to that this role day in Last Man Standing, um, she's still gorgeous and hilarious in that show. Um, because you know she she really you know naturally speaking she was really trying to make you know the the watcher, um, the viewer. Uh, suspicious, but, yeah, suspicious. You know, and think, okay, maybe you know, maybe maybe she is the murderer. But yeah, she has like this smile and this innocence air about her. But then you kind of yeah. see like she smiles, and then afterwards, it's kind of like like it, it it almost drops from her face. Like she's trying to smile, but then she's got something behind her eyes. Where well, she's extremely damaged, and 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 how you do you that? find out later that yeah, yes. it's because she's suspicious about men and men leaving her and stuff. But she's extremely damaged, and it's like you know. What snapped in her sister to go that nuts? You know, and, and does she and the, and have fact, a little bit of that? Right, in right. Her. And the fact that how the on God's green earth did she not figure that out? You know, I think I'm she sorry. does. She might have some. There must be a genetic thing because she did. Now you got a lot of different creepy things in the 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 story that you can attribute to her just being paranoid about men leaving her. But they are driving that one time. She's like, you know, do you ever get the urge to, if you're standing yes, on a on cliff or whatever like and to just push them and everything <laughs> i know maybe that was when they were in bed or whatever but i was just like but that that doesn't go along with the paranoia i'm like there's something creepy about her so yeah. maybe it's maybe it's like genetic and like she like has those thoughts that her sister does but would never act on it yeah, like but her I mean, sister even, would even but. if she knew about it i don't think even her would be like you wouldn't be that crazy to actually like start 
suggesting things like that. You know, when when you know that's like having a dog in it passing away every couple of years you know you get a new dog and 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 all of a sudden it just keeps on dying and dying and dying and every new dog that you get you know what i mean it's like you don't think okay maybe i'm doing something wrong here you know what i mean she it, it seemed like it never passed in her mind that maybe she's doing something wrong yeah that that is causing every single one of her husbands to you know i mean, i think after the third one you'd probably be like okay i think i'm done dating now I think um, she, she after the third one, you'd think she'd probably hire a private investigator right. to find out what the hell's going on here. Or maybe where, the police find look out into where this it. guy or something. Well, and have you noticed that like after every husband dies, she moves away like clear across the country. You know, she doesn't move like down the street or just stay in the same house and marry, maybe her find s- another guy there locally. It's like she has to literally go to a couple other yeah. states. Maybe her sister's like really good at manipulating her and like convinces her that they need to leave and have a new start or whatever. I don't or, know. Or how imagine many. this plot line like right, right, that she convinced her sister to do all these killings and stuff like that. To, to buy and get enough money to buy that butcher shop yeah, and but then make she, her sister think that she's the one that actually did But it. how does she get money? It's not like she's getting insurance stuff because these guys apparently just disappeared. It's not like they're yeah. di- she knew that they were dying. Well, no, they wrote not letters, remember? Exactly. She said that they wrote all letters. But I wonder how she's getting the money. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what reasoning she would have for that, but um, it just seems kind of an odd thing. Um, did you know that uh, Kim Basinger and uh, Sharon I did Stone hear about that. were both in line to play these roles? But Sharon Stone wanted to play two different characters. I think said. she wanted to play herself and the sister, right? Yes, yes, she, yes, she wanted to play her Rose. Her sister might have been imaginary or right. something. And I heard they got her originally, and then the, since they wouldn't let her play the sister too, that she, she dropped did, out. She dropped out. Yeah, and Kim Basinger. You know, she had done Nine and a Half Weeks, Batman. I think she had done L.A. Confidential by then. So, you know, she was very good, but she has a certain way about her where I think she'd be a lot more confident. Nancy Travis, the way she played this character, Harriet, mm-hmm. it was very unconfident. Um, you know, like when Mike Myers was talking to her shop, it was kind of like she was just responding and, like, trying to respond right. And, you know, she could tell that there was kind of a connection between them two but wasn't sure about it. She seemed just very unsure of herself. And obviously that's because she's gone through some stuff with her uh, other husbands disappearing. But But I think Kim Basinger has just this natural um, uh, confidence about her where she would seem more of a... Well, Sharon Stone, too. I see where you're going yeah. with that. Yeah, and, and Sharon Stone's exactly It's not, and not as much as the innocence right, as right. Nancy Travis. Because so, you needed somebody that had the innocence because that, that it's enough to make you say, well, is it her? Because she seems very innocent. But then to be able to act enough to where you, you think there's there's something behind those yeah. eyes and everything yeah. where it's really just paranoia, but you take it as well, maybe she's the killer or something but like that. But it's also got to – you know, you got to consider – like acting with certain actors, right? Like Mike Myers, who who is, you know, kind of known for being a little bit of a control freak when he's on his movies. I mean, not not necessarily being control freak, but he has to be in control of, you know, okay, every aspect of the movie. But yeah. um, you know, acting with actors like that, you know, that are very just just super energy. You know, it's the same thing with Rob Williams and Jim Carrey, and you know, probably even Adam Sandler at times, and 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 even. You know stuff like that, where you know you there, you know they're geniuses, but it's like Nancy Travis seemed like such a calm person. Like probably in real life, she's very calm person. Where Mike Myers is just kind of 
It's like Chris Farley, like all up in your face. You know, is he all, like that? Yeah. Like normally in his, his no, real life? I thought I he was kind of more so, calm. But I think on the movie sets and stuff like that, <laughs> I think I think he has to. Do I, you remember the hurricane? Kanye West. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do you remember the hurricane where Kanye was like, Kanye, like, like, George Bush, what did he say? Something, don't like black he people. He doesn't like black people trying to kill black or something like that. And you just see Mike Myers just like dinner, just dinner, dinner plates for eyes, just like. Kind of head. so awkward. That was so <laughs> not hilarious. a word said, but but you know I I think he's like that. Hilarious. But I, I want to say like when he's on the movie set, I th- I I want to feel like he he has to be that full energy. Where Nancy Travis is a very calm person, so you yeah, know, to do the improv, you got to right, be right. full energetic, right, and right, and 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 you I, could tell because he was making people laugh throughout yeah. the whole movie. Oh yeah, I mean especially as the dad. Magic, Well, let's have a look at the replay. William, move your head. Look at the size of that boy's head. Shh. I'm not kidding. It's like an orange on a toothpick. Shh, you're going to give the boy a complex. Well, that's a huge noggin. That's a virtual planetoid. Shh. Has its own weather system. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I mean, like I said, Mike Myers, that's what he's known for. He's known for playing multiple characters and, and, and dressing up and changing the accent. I mean, he does kind of steer a, lo- a lot towards, you know, European me- meaning, you know, like England and, and Scottish and Irish. You know, he kind of steer. I mean, because he is. Scottish, you know, so I think he tries to get, I mean, you look at Shrek, you know, the, the voice of Shrek is the same exact voice as his dad. Yeah, th- and that's why I think that this is like one of the more real performances of Mike Myers because, you know, you have Austin Powers, Wayne Wor- Wayne's World, The Love Guru, all these yeah. movies where he's he disappears it's behind a, mount, a mountain of makeup ridiculous. or whatever it is, yeah. has his accents and stuff like that. Some of it hits, some of it doesn't land, all that kind of stuff, but... This one, you know, he had that in the character of his father, and he would joke around as Charlie a little bit. Yeah. But you had some, like, real moments that you don't often get. I mean, you had, like, real moments in Wayne's world, but yeah. he's just like, you know, he's still talking like this. Yeah. You know, you know, just... Well, and, they're just and, you, and you feel like, you feel kind of like, um, you know, I, I feel like, like actors like, you know, his dad and most of the Austin Powers characters and stuff like that, you know, you can't write lines for that. You cannot sit there as a different writer, you know, not the actual actor, not Michael, not Mike Myers, but the writer and sit there and try to write Mike Myers. um, No, because his, in that, in that accent and everything, his personality land. Yeah. His personality and his roles are, are, are great for him, but they only work with for him, him yes, and those situations. Yes. Like Gallagher, the comedian, yeah. when, with him smashing fruit and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. that doesn't work for anybody. That, that works for that particular personality right. or whatever it may be. Um, but that's what I liked about this is more real. Going back to Nancy Travis, uh, the reason she got this role was she actually slept with the producer. Rob, well, she married that him, Rob Fried she? guy. And, uh, that, that's what she always says. She's like, I can say that I got that role because I was sleeping with the producer. But yeah, they were dating. <laughs> yeah. And when they had, you know, Sharon Stone fall through, all this kind of stuff, they, you know, he was like, look, let's bring in. And she read with Mike Myers. She did a really good job. So that's how she got that role. And she's not a classical, uh, I, I say classical because it is quite a few years ago, but. Um, she's not the classical '90s actress that you would get to play in this role, you know. I mean, this, no. this is something I could see something like, like I Drew Barrymore playing, or the, yeah. the Sharon Stone. Stone. But I could see somebody like 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 even Drew Barrymore playing this role. You know, um, like, I'm not saying that Nancy Travis did bad in this role at all. Like she did phenomenal, I thought in this role. But the fact that like it just doesn't, she doesn't seem like a classical rom-com 90s actress just uh, Drew Barrymore is just she's so sweet that I wouldn't be I know that she's played some rebellious crazy characters yeah. in the past and everything Santa Clara died I love that I love 
I've show. I haven't watched it's that amazing. fully. I've watched a couple episodes because it's Tim- got Timothy. Yeah, Elephant. it's got my boy Timothy Elephant in it. But I mean, it's I don't know. I, I guess I could see that. I could see her innocent and everything like that. And I know that she's you know in real life she's not like an innocent person. You know, but, she but she's be very dirty played and this role and over that. and over and over and, and the romantic yeah. comedy, which is why I think somebody she's that like a queen that has it. a more innocence about right. her needed to that. play this role with just a slight mystery of what is with these comments or these looks she's giving and to yeah. give it but it, but you know Sharon Stone Kim Basinger I think there's just way too much confidence way too much for Charlie because Charlie's very insecure he's scared of relationship he's scared of yeah. commitment um, and somebody like that would intimidate him to where he, he would break it off yeah. completely not that she's like completely submissive to him or anything no, like that but she's damaged also you know it feels like he's damaged from all his messed up relationships that, that he has no confidence in and it feels like she's damaged too so it kind of works yeah in that well, sense you know I'm kind of upset that I really have not seen anything from Mike Myers in in such a long time. You know, really. Now we've seen him in a lot of, in some serious roles here and there, but we really have not seen him in his forte. You know what I mean? Like the Austin Powers. Yeah, Austin Powers is his you know, peak. That's his peak. Yeah, and and we really haven't seen him in in that that level uh, again since since those movies came out. You know, I mean, and you did say something about them filming a new one, which. I don't, I'm not looking forward to because I, I think it's just going to be horrible. Well, it's been announced um, that he's rumored and he's rumored to be in it. Like on IMDb, it says the movie's been announced, but he, him playing that character is rumored. So we're not even sure that it, it may just be a different type of Austin Powers, maybe with him not being in there or only having a cameo or whatever. I don't know much about it. Or maybe have the girls. If run any the of show you listeners be, know anything, let us yeah. know. It'll be called like Mrs. Austin Powers, and it'll be like they'll just put all women cast in it and a women director, and it'll turn out phenomenal like all the other. What'd you uh, like better? Did you like Austin Powers or The Spy Who Shagged Me better? I like classic man. I mean, just yeah. the, car, the the little golf cart scene is just it made it. A First one is obviously the best, and it's a classic. I don't know. I think a little part of me uh, prefers The Spy Who Shagged Me just because it has Heather Graham in it, and she's not only hot but she's also. <laughs> awesome and hilarious in that movie well he did something he didn't he didn't he's not the only one that did to do this but he is he's kind of like the pioneer to to have a film of him you know eddie murphy did it too but you know he's kind of the pioneer of playing several different characters in a movie and doing you know having some of these non-major characters be almost more popular than the 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 title character, character. The, yeah, the title like character, Doctor Evil. Like Doctor Evil is almost—he's got more memes and probably more. Um, uh, well, yeah, he mentions en- yeah. Than, than even Austin Powers. He enjoys—I think he enjoys being Doctor Evil more than Austin Powers because he gets to really just go nuts. Like with Austin Powers, I mean, you can only do so much with the 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 British stick. Um, and well, it's more—it's more kind of like know, the did it and then did it again. But like, yeah, Austin Powers is he that character is more about like the obvious, uh, you know, kind of cheesy jokes and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Doctor Evil's, I think, I think that's a lot that whole and him interacting with all the evil people and with Scott and all this kind of, you know, that's that's the funnier, more now. Do you, do you think or whatever? Do you think that if we were to bring those movies instead of having them, you know, air in the nineties, you know, stuff like that? But Aram, nowadays, you know, in 2020, do you think that they would be as successful as they were back then? I think a lot of people nowadays would be very confused by it. They wouldn't understand him, right? Well, they just wouldn't understand why it's funny. 
Right, right. You know, right. I just think, you know, obviously with different decades, you have different things that hit. Yeah. You know, you have movies like The Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon, yeah. uh, Goodfellas, that are timeless classics where yeah. it doesn't matter when you watch them, you can get what they're about and why they're yeah. made the way they are, and, and, and you get them. But then there are certain things which are only specific to either that decade or that decade's um, – uh, popular influences and I think that that's what yeah. Austin Powers is it's stuck in the 90s and it needs to stay in the well, 90s right right but I mean you see you see stuff like uh, like as much lot, as I loved Austin oh, Powers oh yeah me too I mean and, and I don't really know anybody that really hated that movie everybody loved that movie in one shape or form but probably just the people that got tired of the yeah playing every five minutes right 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 and it's very stereotypical of, of, of that age uh, period and everything but you know it's just like with with Adam Sandler, you know, this is why I'm such a huge fan of Adam Sandler, right? He has a tendency, you know, his comedy back then probably wouldn't make a lot of sense nowadays. You know, like even the Billy Madisons and the and the, and Happy, the Happy Gilmore, Gilmore, you know, people would not get that type of comedy because well, it's, it's definitely totally not different. Billy Madison because it's very childish, right. fart jokes, you right. know, that type of stuff. But, but yeah. if you notice what something that he did, who was also a, a Saturday Night Live uh, alumni, right? You Talking get, about Chris Farley? Yeah, Chris Farley and, uh, well, no, I'm saying uh, Adam Sandler. Okay. You know, no, you, you see characters like Adam Sandler, right, who had has basically changed his shtick to, to yeah, accommodate he was able nowadays. To, he was able to uh, not only accommodate to nowadays, but he was able to transition into serious roles. Not that Mike Myers couldn't do that or didn't do that. You know, he, he maybe had he one or two things here and there, know. but uh, but yeah, Adam Sandler's been able to change with the times, yeah. which is like uh, you know a lot what a lot of comedians haven't been able to do. Martin well, Lawrence, Chris, Chris Far, or well, I'm not saying Chris Farley, but uh, um, David Spade, uh, you know, the, Martin some, Lawrence, Eddie Murphy, no, Rob no, Schneider, yep, and none of these guys. I mean, yeah, you get that David Spade. That one was pretty uh, funny. Joe uh, Dierte. Uh, no, not Joe. Dierte. The one that he just recently came out with, uh, where he he ends up going to Hawaii and he invites a girl, but he thinks it's this one girl, but it ends up being the, the totally uh, annoying. I haven't seen it. Oh man, I, I saw the one that he did with Adam Sandler, where Adam Sandler was pretending to be a secret agent. Everything. I feel like Adam Sandler is kind of carried a lot of these guys. Oh well, yeah, I mean, just like field. these people he came up with. You yeah. know, it's like he, that. That's the type of thing you and I would do. Yeah. It's like if we're doing a movie, we're gonna bring all our friends along. You know, the, the kid from uh, or the guy. And from, if it, uh, it's not successful because we're bringing our friends along, who cares? Who cares? You know, at least we had time. Yeah. At least we had fun. Yeah. You know, and, th- and that's kind of like, you know, same same thing, uh, what Adam Sandler did first. I mean, a lot of people don't realize what a pioneer he was, you know what I mean? Because, again, him and Mike Myers. Or I at th- least how far he took the form. He did, he did. You know, and, and you see you see characters like, uh, you know, like uh, Seth Rogen and stuff like that. They're still, they're doing what Adam Sandler did. Right. You know, it's like they're yeah. learning from Adam Sandler and they're shifting the comedy to make it more accepting to nowadays. Because even nowadays, like within the last three or four years, Comedy that was accepted four or five years ago is not accepted nowadays. Yeah, like Seth Rogen, cancel uh, culture, Dewey Cox movie, that dude. Yeah, Um, you know all these all these newer comedians where uh, you know it's it's the new age stoner comedies or whatever they are. You know that all comes from like Austin Powers or Mike Myers. Myers. It comes from Adam Adam Sandler. Sandler. Comes from Jim Carrey. You know all these different people that that were doing it. Big and loud. Yeah, that, that's what yeah. that that's a good that's a good rep- uh, a description of the '90s. Uh, everything big and loud yeah. from, from from in your face, whether dr- it's the drama. clothes yeah. or the hair. And, yep. And if you notice, if you notice again, like like I said, you get pioneers like Mike Myers back in the day and, and Adam Sandler. You know where they 
they really, you know, pioneered the, the type of music that they're putting in it. You know, I mean, you wouldn't get She's All That and you wouldn't get uh, some of the the later 90s uh, rom-coms and high school dramas without movies like this, you know, like like uh, So I Married an Axe Murder. What's your favorite you know? part about this movie? I'd have to say, I like. it's funny, but I like the end scene where she's chasing him on the roof and they are just, I mean, like, like she is trying to tell her... <laughs> They're trying to say that the axe murder is on the roof. Oh, I mean, the friend? You, yes. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be some, like, cop, you know? And all this stuff, he's looking for his big case yeah, that's going to break Wanting him to erase her. And she's like, you literally can hear them on the roof. And it's like, thud. Yeah, it's like, ah! Thud. Ah! It's like, it's like, okay, I guess this this cop kind of got a little distracted by by how uh, beautiful this this actress was. And so, like, he, he was not hearing anything. But, I mean, that was my favorite scene because she's chasing him all over the roof. And it's like, you see this this little tiny girl, and she is able to overpower these grown men. And this happens in movies, and it's one of the craziest things for me. Now, if they, if they know, like, you know, a 10th degree black belt or something like that, okay, yeah. I understand it. But you see these, these actresses that are... Four foot nothing. Clearly not as physically capable as the person that yes, they're fighting a, against. A, a, right. Yes, and, and yet they're able to take them down and murder them. Yeah. You know, it's like I, like I know you need that strong rage. women figures, but like you know, Ellen Ripley and and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, they weren't you know badass fighters yes. or extra strong or anything like that. They were just smart. They, they were, were smarter than everybody else. Tenacious, know? smart, and um, uh, creative. I guess yes. you would say. My favorite parts are the ones with the parents, uh, mainly because of Mike Myers as, as the dad. I, I think he's hilarious in everything he says. It's like an orange on a toothpick. You well, know, and, talking about Heed's big head. Right. Well, and, and his mother was actually a Scottish accent. Brenda, or, or, Brenda Fricker. I loved her, her from name. Home Alone. And I, I was about that's to say, she's the crazy from. bird lady yeah. from Home Alone too. And that's that's what I, as soon as I saw her, I'm like, hey, there she is. It's but the two turtle doves chick. Could they not have made a TV show about his parents? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would I mean, be hilarious. I mean, but the fact that, like, all of his outrageousness, she just kind of takes with a, a yes. you know, a grain of salt. And she's she flirting, with, like, making stuff. out with uh, like, uh, May, get out the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, but I mean, seriously, I could watch a TV show about those two car- the parents. You know, the son comes visit every once in a while. That's fine and everything. But those two parents and the 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 acting Michael My- Mike Myers does in it. I mean, he's just so natural in this role. And and it's just piper down. I, yeah. We have a piper down. <laughs> I could just, seriously, I could watch a TV show on these guys. <laughs> you know, but but I mean, I I could see where that's your favorite part. I just I, I love pointing out just like the most obvious stuff you know i mean like you're literally hearing an axe going through the roof yeah and him screaming his best friend that he's known for so many years is is ah, ah, <laughs> yeah. the whole entire scene another thing i like about mike Myers and all of his comedy movies that you see um he does this thing that i call the uh um if they notice something before you notice something thing so in this movie it was he walks in he's like you know, and there's this huge map of, I don't know, San Francisco or something like that behind him. I can't remember what it was, but, you know, he doesn't look at it. He's, like, looking, and it's so obvious in the background. He's like, you know what this place needs is a big picture or map of what, and he describes what he did. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. And he kind of slowly turns around. I was like, oh, you've already got one, you know. So he does that a lot in his movies where yeah. it's like, you know, you notice something, but then you just turn around and you're like, oh, there it is, you know, that type yeah. of thing. You, you, you point out something so obvious. So the, those those little parts uh, make me laugh all the time. And then there's a lot of comedians who get cameos in this. Like, yes. you know, Phil Hartman. I had forgotten oh, that he was in this movie. Um, there's such a, few a tragic other, death for him. Who know? was the guy that was flying the plane? 
that you know the real monotone voice. Oh, yeah. He used to be on the radio and yes. he would talk about things like that. Uh, Stephen Wright, that's his name. Uh, but there, there's a lot of uh, I, I, I like that they had a lot of comedians and uh, and uh, you know little cameos and uh, Charles Grodin. Oh man, he was my probably my favorite Such cameo. A great role. He has the most perfect voice. Deadpan face too. Pan, a deadpan face and voice. I, you know, I, I think everybody always is like, "Hey, it's the dude from Beethoven." Yeah. You know, that's like yeah. his most famous thing, which I'm sure he hates yeah. or hated. Uh, well, but, no, he he's done some some pretty amazing stuff. You know, I mean, uh, heartbreak. You know, different things. Uh, like he's done some amazing stuff, like King Kong back, back in '76. Charles Grodin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Midnight Run. Um, I mean, he's done some some pretty famous stuff, and you know, but again, you know, it's one of those roles where it's like, you know, where do we know Mark Hamill from? He's Luke Skywalker. Now, if you're a real fan, you know he's the greatest Joker to ever live. You know, right. but but it's one of those guys where where he's very kind of Daniel Radcliffe's another one. You know, I mean, nobody's gonna really know Daniel Radcliffe other than Harry Potter. You know what I mean? He might do some. Academy Award winning stuff, but you know, but just like with with, with this guy, you know, you know him for Beethoven. You yeah, know? I mean that's that's kind of what a lot of people grew up um, with him. And as. like you said, Midnight Run. He was in Dave. Yeah. Um, uh, Can I come? I gotta commandeer phase. this vehicle. No, you can't. In <laughs> fact, goes, you're not. Uh, you have no right to. No, it's more like no. <laughs> just really deep voice <sighs> way of talking. You are not taking my car, <laughs> but but he still gives him a ride. Yeah, and so. he like like he has no inflection or anything except yeah. for this very deep. But it's such a great voice of his, and he just like you're always like he's this curmudgeon, pissed off guy all the time. Yeah. Wasn't he in that Muppets movie, the uh, the Great Muppet Caper? I'm looking it up because uh, I'm pretty uh, sure he was like the bad guy in the Great Muppet Caper because he had this thing with Miss Piggy or something. Yeah. Was that him? Yeah, the great. Okay, he played Nikki Holiday in the Great Muppet Caper. Right. So right, where right. where they were trying to steal the jewels, remember? Yes. And uh, and they, they uh, the the Muppets had to stop him or whatever. But yeah, he uh, that that probably was the first time I saw him before even Beethoven, because um, I remember that movie. But he he just just such great cameos in this movie too. And when he pops up, you know, it's always like, oh, you're gonna get something good with this guy. Um, what was the point of the Alcatraz tour? Exposition, because there was absolutely no reason for them to show a scene there, because all they did was go through, and it was Phil Hartman, so you got to show off yeah. Phil Hartman. But I mean, all they did was talk about her and what you know, and him getting serious with her, like he hasn't gotten serious with anybody else. Uh, I have no clue to be. I mean, one hundred percent honest with you, I, I really have no. I think it was just uh, it was just to fill up scenes, maybe. I think it was what, what what it was is because this this first started out when they first, when the guy first wrote the script. Not only was she the the person he married, actually the axe murderer, but they it was supposed to be like a Jewish guy in New York. And then when Mike Myers came on, he wrote it as a Scottish, Scottish guy yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. So I think they got permission to film in San Francisco, and they had to go like buck wild. We got to get all the good locations in there, you know. And of course, he's got to be a beat uh beat poet in uh in san francisco, san francisco or whatever yeah. but you know they're there so and alcatraz was a huge thing back in the 90s they did the rock you know anytime somebody filled with uh um 
you know, San Francisco, you had to do something about Alcatraz yeah. and everything. So I think they just, you know, you just have this random We tour. say it all the time about on the show, you know, how, how the scenery tends to be a character in the movie. And so that's probably why they did show that because, you know, the scenery definitely was Well, like San Francisco, you want to showcase, you're like, oh, we got permission to film. We need to film as much as we can. We need an exposition scene where they're just talking about the relationship. Let's go to Alcatraz. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I was trying to think. I was like, there's no point in this scene. Like, nothing crazy happens. And I thought, I thought like, maybe I've forgotten that somebody gets somebody falls off something or somebody gets injured or something but yeah there i was like well, there's really no point to this did you like the whole interaction between uh anthony uh polite uh uh Piglodi or P- whatever P- his name Pagliaia is or blah, 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 and uh alan arkin like that was he it, alan arkin's such a phenomenal i love actor. adam or alan arkin yeah yeah he, not adam mean, arkin he's just so he's just so smooth when he acts like i mean he he plays granted you know, a lot of times he's playing the same character, but he plays that character so well. You know what I mean? Just, just the, uh, just the all around nice old man who, uh, who is very helpful and is usually always playing some sort of good guy. Yeah, know? and he always seems like he's just like, just stressed out by everything that's and, going and, on. And right he's now. very truthful. Like, like it feels like he's not even acting when he's doing. It. He's just like, like you see him in the movies and you're like okay this is how this guy really is in real life he has to be because you know he plays it so well and and just the fact that the guy was like um uh alan arkin comes out the office and 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 his his worker here is like he just comes out and starts saying some like ethnic slurs like like left and right and then and then he's like "Uh, not not right now captain i gotta go he's like is it the ethnic stores slurs no, that's fine. That's not the problem. <laughs> and but the same thing with his son Adam, Adam Arkin. Um, he he plays more like people that are you believe have a little agenda to them yeah. that, that they may be twisted or a little bit. You know, he played a, a mob boss in Justified, and he also yeah. directed a, a good majority. Well, not a good majority, but a ton of episodes from that show because he's a director too. And uh, he was in Life with yeah. um, the, that. Redhead, da- what's his name? No. Is it Daniel? It's called Life? Uh, no, I mean, I know what it's life. It's where he gets out of prison and he's yeah. falsely accused. You get a bunch of money. It's a guy from Homeland. Yes. I, yes. Uh, I'm blanking his name. I want right to say now. it's. it's uh, oh, man. What is it? Let's see. Life. This is going to bug me if I don't. Uh, if I don't um, what is his name? I mean, I could put... I, he's also in, in Band Home, of Brothers. Yeah, and he's in Homeland. Uh, Damian Lewis is his name. Damian, Damian. Yeah. For some reason, thinking Daniel or something. No, it was close. But yeah, yeah. So Alan Arkin, you know, he plays a real uh, a real good character and everything. Um, and most of those movies that, that you watch him in, um, he's kind of like pointing out the obvious and is like, you know, pointing out the absurdity that nobody else is noticing what he's noticing. That, 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 that type of character. Um so he did really good in uh, uh did you ask me a question about him specifically or no i was just saying how, how great that their whole interaction with the boss and 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 or with the 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 chief and, and his work it's very meta about how like yeah. you need to be like these 80s and 90s cops yeah. where you need to yeah. be yelling at me and he came in he's like were the racial slurs too much he's like no so that that that's yeah. part of the movie that wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't fly nowadays you know no it, it isn't but it's not it's not i mean because anthony Le- Paglia is is Italian, obviously, and that's the the, the slurs that he was using. And, and you know, I mean, I, it doesn't make it right, but I'm just saying that it that's the type of comedy that we used to have. 
that it never bothered anybody. But nowadays, it just seems like it, it you know, it hurts everybody's feelings. You yeah. Know, no matter what, and and it's again, that's why that comedy wouldn't last nowadays. Where today's comedy is, it's hard sometimes. You know what I mean? To find to find it funny like you did back then, where where you'd sit out there and just kind of laugh. You know, some, sometimes nowadays comedies are just very cringe. You know what I mean? Where it's just like. Ooh, do we go there? Oh, you know, we, we can't step here. And it's like, how, I mean, you get Borat, which is garbage. I've never, ever liked anything that uh, that character has come out Sasha with. Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't think he's funny. I don't think he's. Uh, you didn't like Ali McGee or anything? No, I don't like anybody. I think, I think none of it's funny. I've, I just do not find the guy funny. I don't find his skits funny. Um, all he does. I think he did good in uh, Sweeney Todd. Well, yeah. He could, okay. but he played a serious role. But he didn't play something he created. Right. You know, the he problem is, is his role. creations, I think, are all garbage. And, and this is my honest opinion. Yeah, it's a, t- a certain type of humor. It, it is, and and I, I guess it's not even like classic British humor. You know, like classic, like Monty Python and stuff like that. Yeah. It's nothing near that. Faulty Towers. Yeah, it's nothing near that. Absolutely fabulous, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But it's nothing near what, what he does is, I mean, all he does now is just sit around making fun of people, which, you know, that's comedy. You do make fun of people in general. Well, but I'm making fun of so politics direct. and stuff, too. Yeah. That's, that might be part of it. It's just like, you know, he's talking about political stuff, and I'm like, I'm just sick of hearing it. Yeah. Um, you know, the best friend character, that whole thing didn't make a lot of sense uh, based on... Yeah, like, why was he there? I mean, if he was, like, the brother... The like, brother. Yeah, and that's, like that's the point brother. that I'm making, is that he felt like... It felt like he should have been a brother, because in the very first scene, I didn't hear it, because I was at work when I was watching some of it, but... Um, at the very first scene at that poet bar, he was like, "Hey, make sure you do this when you come over to to dinner with my my parents tomorrow." Um, but the next scene, it showed him already there before my my guys got there. So I was like, "Is that his brother?" I couldn't remember if that was his yeah. brother or not. It made more sense because, like, what does Mike Myers do? Like, I was trying to think about what his job was the whole movie. He's a, poet. a, a beat poet, the right, beat poet, or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know what that pays, or I mean, it I, apparently it pays pretty good. But well, it's kind of, I guess it's like comedy, but except for less successful, you know, like stand up comedy. But I mean, you have him, and then you have a cop. Yeah. Now he wasn't like a squared away cop and stuff. Yeah. He was kind of a goofy guy, but. It just it didn't make sense the, the the friendship between those two with one being a cop the other being a poet it's it's just really weird it wouldn't make sense that they put up with each other because yeah. they're brothers not just because they're childhood it feels like if they were childhood friends or whatever they would have kind of split up and gone their own ways if you know what I mean if that makes sense but yeah that it, whole thing just kind it, of threw me off if if, if he would have been the the brother I would have believed it I would have believed it and and it would make a heck of a lot more sense than it did. And you're right. You just kind of brought it up, but it was just kind of like. Besides the whole Charlie's mom making out with him and really trying to hit on him, and then the other the other chick at the wedding. And but stuff. but look at it this way. I think the reason it did make sense and the reason they added him as a character is because he needed Mike Myers needed. He was a beat poet. Like he really had no connections. He needed nothing. somebody to investigate. He needed somebody for to him. investigate and find out all this information and, which and is, do the gas which sense. moments. Yeah, and, and you like need that. him there, but he yeah. should have been a brother, a brother. Not a friend. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But yeah. um, the guy that he, uh, the the girl he was dating, uh, Debbie uh, Debbie Mazar. Okay. Do you confuse her? Do you faces. do you confuse her with Feruza Balk? Yes, constantly. The the chick from the craft yeah, well, in American History X. They got kind of like Parker Posey same. too. Maybe I, I, but like Feruza Balk and and Debbie Mazar, I mean, they're just so just like, 
Uh, they got exotic, pissed off looks yeah, all the time. Acerbic and 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 brash type personalities yeah. and everything. Where where like like uh, Debbie Mazar in Entourage, she's yeah. just this foul mouth. Uh, I think she's an agent or yeah. a publicist. That's what she is in Entourage. But just this foul mouth, just going off the wall. But she's still likable. Well, extremely like, likable. Like Parker Posey in, in Scream and and yeah. uh, and uh, what's that one that she did with? Uh, she did uh, the vampire movie uh, Blade, the one with oh, Ryan yeah. Reynolds. The Trinity Me- of the Bad, yeah. the Bad Blade. <laughs> yes, yeah, but but me- but remember, she you know she's very plays that just you know these very crash you know crass characters mm-hmm. you know and 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 that's the same thing. Yeah, the same thing with too, uh, with yeah. with uh, uh, Debbie Mazar and and uh, Faruza Balk. Faruza yeah. Balk was in. Uh, you know, American History X. She was very acerbic in there. Um, in uh, 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 the craft, she was the yeah. same way. Which they're, you know, they're. Have She's you, always have you seen the previews of this this remake of the craft? Uh, Legacies or whatever it is. I, I don't know what it Legacies. is, but it's, but uh, oh, apparently it's not a remake. It's just a uh, kind of a spinoff because they do reference. They even have a picture of Feruza Balk circa the craft uh, years and stuff. So yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, so we talked about uh, that. One of the the whenever <laughs> you know we talked about her talking about. Did you ever want to like stand next to somebody on a cliff and then like want to push them off? And Mike Myers' response was, uh, "No, I subscribe to the Judeo Christian belief yeah. that thou shalt not kill." <laughs> I don't know why, but like the, his delivery of it and the fact that he's just so like, "Oh my God, why are we talking about this?" You know, it just made me laugh so much. Well, and, and you know, it comes in, it comes into question too because the whole thing is brought into question and made a big deal, and probably actually saved Mike Myers' character's life in the movie was his mom's obsession with this with those these rag mags, right, right. you know, these rag mags that that oh uh, man b- uh, gave birth to baby dolphin, you know, that kind of thing, and it's like. There are Who would people, actually believe there, in but, but stuff like that? That's the problem. There are people that actually yeah. believe this crap. Well, it's and, the and eighth, showing her mother. eighth most circulated uh, <laughs> printing in the world. So I mean, well, and then, and then is, you know the fact that his mother believes in it enough to to make it a point. So right there, she, she said, "There's just the eight most whatever," and he's like, "Yeah, whatever, mom." And then at the end, he's the one telling the cop friend, "He's like, <laughs> it's the eighth most circulated thing." Like he's becoming real paranoid and but, everything. But you always kind of wonder. You're like, Does, I wonder if that actually happens where. Like one story in a million stories that they put out is actually true. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, and which one would that be? You know? Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, maybe, I mean, again, it's, it brings you back to the fact that that's probably how urban legends started in the first place. You know, it was just somebody making up some crazy, crazy, impossible uh, story and then something true happening about that story, you know? And then, then they're like, okay, this story's true, you know? Yeah. But it's just the fact that it kind of set it off because. If she would have never shown Mike Myers, too many Star magazines yeah. back, or the equivalent of Star magazines back in the day. But if, if if she never showed him that story, then you know the sister. Then might he have probably would have died. Yeah, because yeah. he wouldn't have been on yeah. on guard. Although saying you know he wouldn't have been on guard, there was a lot of creepy things that the girl was saying and and doing throughout the yeah. that that Harriet was doing. So it might have. She might have just been another one of those that he blew the candle out on because yeah. you know couldn't couldn't handle her weirdness or whatever. At least with this one, at least with hearing it from his mom first, 
when he starts, she starts to do the creepy, weird things, at least he can attribute that to his paranoia and say, okay, well, maybe it's not her, maybe it's me, because yeah. I've been ridiculous with my past relationships. Yeah. Whereas if he didn't hear about that, he would have seen all these creepy things. It's like, you know, this is worse than the girl that smelled like soup right, or right. whatever it may be, and just gotten rid of her. Do, so do you think do you his think, mom helped save that relationship? And I was thinking about this too is, you know, I, I bet they don't even have beat poets anymore. I mean, I, I bet it's instead of beat poets, you have people that post their personal business on Facebook. Well, blogs. Constantly. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like I bet you there is no such thing as a beat poet anymore, really. I mean, I'm sure there is, but, the, you know, back back during the 90s. And was that it more period, white people doing beat poets? Maybe they were doing beat poets because they feel like they couldn't do rap. Well, it's, <laughs> it, well, you know. well it's, it, you know, a lot of that that scene was in you know like oregon portland and, and seattle and and you know san francisco that was the scene yeah, before the you saw the golden great gate bridge you thought this could be portland yeah yeah it's very yeah yeah but it's like like nowadays i don't think there's even boat uh, beat poets anymore it's just basically let's go ahead and post it all on facebook and that's all my information and and uh you know now they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars for it so. maybe you don't hear much about it but i don't know if you heard much about it back then maybe it was just kind of a niche, niche, niche community or whatever but that's the thing this movie has so many quotable lines and so many uh funny moments we, we didn't want to just get on here and just start quoting stuff yeah. um except for woman Whoa, Whoa, man. man. Whoa, man. She was a thief. You gotta <laughs> believe. She stole my heart and my cat. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it, it's funny because I hadn't heard that in probably 30 years, right? Since uh -huh. I've watched the movie last. I mean, it was, it's was it been a long time since I watched that movie. Um, I might have been in a school. Well, it might have been when I was in C school, actually. I think I watched it in, in Petaluma. You oh, know? okay. But... Uh, it had been so long, but the second, like three seconds before he said that, I j it just came, popped yeah. into me. I said, whoa, man, whoa. My whoa, wife, my wife, man. Oh, yeah, my wife kind of looks over at me like, what? What is, what is going on here? And I'm like, I'm like. It's She's like, that's not even I funny. Why are you quoting it? Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. you don't quote it because it's funny. You just quote it because it's quotable. <laughs> so, um, oh, one thing I did want to say, Michael Richards. He will always be Kramer in oh, any yeah. role he does. I don't think he has an. Uh, uh, I don't think he has a temperament switch. It's either zero or a hundred. He's either zero as Michael Richards in an interview, or he's a hundred as Kramer, flipping out and everything like yeah. that. You know, because uh, he, he basically played Kramer in and this. He, movie. And he does it in every movie, and it's just sad because he he does that so well. You just think that. Do you remember him in Problem Child? Yes. When he played the escaped guy or whatever. Yeah. Oh, man, he looked so young in that movie, too. Yeah. Like, I mean. He wasn't as wild and crazy. I mean, he was still, like, a bad guy. But, yeah. I mean, he wasn't as, like, flamboyant as he was as, like, you know, as Kramer yeah. and, and doing then, the same then thing Then he did movie. a stand-up uh, where it basically ruined his career because he, he said a lot of yeah, things I felt he really, should have said. Like, like, he said a lot of things he shouldn't have said. It was very bad of him. He owed an apology, and he gave an apology. And I, I, I felt bad for him whenever uh, Jerry Seinfeld came on. What did he come on? Was it Letterman? Or was it Leno? I can't remember. He came in one of the talk show hosts. And they got Michael Richards on the phone. But, you know, all the the audience, you know, probably didn't hear much about his 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 vulgar thing that he, he, had, yeah. he had said. It. They just remember him as Kramer, and they know this guy as Jerry. So I think they thought that it was a bit. And it was yeah. really Jerry Seinfeld being an outlet to allow 
Michael Richards to apologize publicly for yeah. it. But they thought it was a bit, so they started laughing. And Jerry actually told the, the audience, he's like, stop laughing. This isn't a joke. Yeah. And um, and so he was just getting on there try, trying to apologize. But it's like, you know, South Park says, you know, you once you get into this zone, it's, it's hard if you can ever get out. Yeah. Uh, that's why being a celebrity, I don't want any part of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, one little thing that you say is something that millions of other people have said, but you're criticized more for it because you're in the spotlight, even if it's an accident or a slip of the tongue. You know, we all make mistakes. We all have slips of the tongue. We all have angry moments that we say things we may not mean or whatever it might be. Um, but, yeah, I want no part of that life. The money's fun, though. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the money's fun, but, you know, I got I got my kids who love me and. You know, all this kind of my, my family and all this kind of stuff. That's all I need. So absolutely. But uh, anyways, for for you guys out there, um, you know, we try not to, although we don't care about spoilers and we will get into spoiler type stuff. We still try not to uh, dive so much into the movie where you can't watch it and get something out of it. Um, uh, so hopefully, hopefully listening to this um, and make you want to go watch it and um, and, you know, find out something you know find, find a movie that, that you never knew about that that's really good because like I said this movie has a lot of quotable lines uh, a lot of quotable moments and uh, it's just a very classic um, 90s movie. 90s comedy movie with one of the greats of the 90s um, in in Mike Myers so definitely give this one a watch you guys um, it's it's worth the watch and um, and uh, find us on on Twitter and some of our other social uh, sites and and Give us some quotes of your favorite parts of, of this movie. You know, let's 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 bang those out because um, uh, you know this movie is one of those that deserve it. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, uh, our email is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at thepostcredit. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the Post Credit Podcast, and we do have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com. Um, you can find some about us, some pictures, um, some other stuff there. Um, we have a link there in the about us to a page. If you don't, if you're not subscribed to Apple or Spotify or any of the podcasting place, you can follow this link to just go listen to us anytime. Uh, find us on YouTube as well, um, and uh, let us know if uh, if we've made any more mistakes. Give us some more feedback. We love reading feedback. We love reading about mistakes or or whatever it may be, and uh, we'll shout you out on the show if if um, if, if if you give us a good call out. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. And in the words of Mike Myers, throw me a bow.